I am 44 yeah. minutes in. Yeah, and 40 seconds because, you know, we're synchronized. 43, yep. 44, 45. Five. Six. six. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the College Call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 movement, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. My name is Holly Powell. I'm a layperson and a member of Christ Church Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan-Hale, and I am also a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. And uh, we've got our special guests back with us today. Uh, Frank and Nuria, do you want to introduce yourselves? Sure, I'm Frank Logue. I'm the Canon of the Ordinary, the Diocese of Georgia, which is a quirkily Episcopal way of saying I'm an assistant to the bishop. And I'm Nuria Love Parrish. I'm the Associate Priest at St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I blog at Church Work and I'm starting Plain Song Farm. Great. Well, thank you for agreeing to come back on the show. Glad to be back. Who could refuse? This podcast is about the intersection of liturgy and life, as seen through the lens of the Collects in the Book of Common Prayer. Now, Collect is kind of a funny-sounding word, but actually it's just another word for prayer, and it's spelled like collect, as in you might collect books about PowerPoint, including How to Wow with PowerPoint, Cutting Edge PowerPoint for Dummies, New Perspectives on Microsoft PowerPoint 2010, PowerPoint 2007, the missing manual, and how PowerPoint makes you stupid. You know, I might collect those, but I probably wouldn't. <laughs> it, you know, I get the link though. It's presentation software. It is. <laughs> One of my favorite things about this podcast is the moment because Brenda doesn't share. We share notes about what we're going to say and everything back and forth, but he does not share the collection with me ahead of time, and. Usually it takes me about two uh, examples before I get the link, and then I try really hard not to laugh as he keeps talking, and it is really just the highlight of my day. (laughs) (laughs) They do occasionally land with a thud, though, but uh, anyway. (laughs) But I was proud of this one. The PowerPoint of our Lord. Yes. (laughs) And verily, the Lord star faded. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) And clip art was chosen with abandon. (laughs) So, yeah, we're talking about the presentation of Jesus at the temple today. Let's do it. That takes place on February 2nd, which is a Tuesday. And this will probably launch a couple of days ahead of that. So, um... Before we get started, Nuria, would you be willing to read the collect? I would be honored. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, we humbly pray that as your only begotten Son was this day presented in the temple, so we may be presented to you with pure and clean hearts by Jesus Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. 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 What are we celebrating today? Candles. (laughs) Presentation of Jesus. (laughs) Faithfulness, really, is what we're celebrating. I mean, 
Aww. Mary and Joseph faithfully taking their newborn child Jesus to the temple just as they had been taught, raised to do, just as their own parents had done, grandparents had done, following Judaism as the best they knew with grateful hearts. Very nicely spoken. Well, yeah, and this is sort of a, a, a great passage. You'll get in the lectionary here is from Luke, right? Yes. Sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course it's Luke. Um, because it, it has one of the greatest hits of Scripture. Right. Absolutely. That. Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. So, Holly, Even though, wasn't, wasn't Simeon blind? Or am I thinking of somebody else? You're thinking of Simeon as painted by Rembrandt. Oh. <laughs> Rembrandt himself was had failing sight when he painted the, a picture of Condomas that is very uh, famous. He showed Simeon in the temple holding Jesus, and Rembrandt, when he painted it, had uh, fading eyesight and showed himself um, painted himself in as Simeon. Huh. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, because I I don't know why I had that in my head. I guess that's why. It is a tradition as well. It's, it's it is both Rembrandt and. I believe it's it's passed down. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah, but the scripture clearly does not specify that. So No, it um, does not. We know that he is elderly and his beautiful speech there is really saying, Now that I've seen Jesus, I can die. Right. <laughs> yeah, which wouldn't that be a creepy thing if somebody's holding your tiny baby? <laughs> it's like, Well, now that I've done this, I could die a happy man. Ugh. Well, I don't know. I mean Mary's all this whole time this whole time's been a pretty freak out for Mary, I would imagine. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Unusual days to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably, you know, other than the Magnificat, this is probably my other favorite piece of scripture. I just really love the the Song of Simeon and I love the the idea of of this old man at the end of his life and this young baby at the beginning of his life and it's all very you know holding up Simbo on the edge of the cliff (laughs) (laughs) I don't know it's I I just love it I I have feels about it and I cannot explain them rationally but I'm a big fan yeah yeah the the reason they're coming to the temple you know I I think Frank you're you're right we are talking about the faithfulness of Joseph and Mary uh, in coming to the temple and also the recognition by both Simeon and Anna that they are indeed seeing a very, very important person. But the, the reason that they're coming to the temple is, is a little confusing because what the text says is... Um, they're, the parents so, of Jesus brought him to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law. Yes. Right. What's happening here is a concept uh, called redemption, that Joseph and Mary are are redeeming Jesus. And this is something that actually takes a little bit of explaining, because there's this idea that you see through through much of the law, and that's established in uh, in the first five books of the Old Testament, that the firstborn of any species, including the human species, uh, belongs to God. Obviously, you're not going to sacrifice um, a firstborn child, but there's this idea that you still have to acknowledge God's claim here. 
So what, what's happening is they're coming and they are sacrificing two doves as a symbol of, of that recognition of, of, who, of who their son really belongs to. That's true. And you know, the, the interesting thing is in our reading from Luke, it says that the sacrifice, according to the law, is a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. But that's not exactly what the law of Moses said. It said it's to be a lamb. But if the people don't have the money, they can do two turtle doves or two young pigeons. What it tells us is this is a poor couple who really Mm -hmm. doesn't have enough money to even doing the best they can to meet the needs of the law, and the law has an exception for them. So we already see how Jesus has been born to a very poor couple, and yet in their poverty they still want to be faithful to God. And so we see the obstacle and we see the faithfulness all at the same time, just with that acknowledgement that it's a, a pair of doves. Yeah, you know, that that particular thing that's happening too is, it, you know, obviously Leviticus is um, a fairly infamous book. Um, it has a lot of bad PR about it. <laughs> but if you read Leviticus with a lens to what it is saying about the economic order of society, it's really fascinating uh, because it does make accommodations like this. So it says, you know, what what the ideal sacrifice is, uh, but also it makes these faithful accommodations for people who are who are unable. Right, right. And, and so that's where I see the, the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph determined to do the right thing in the faith that they've been raised in, in Judaism. And and the right thing isn't something they can afford, and so they need this loophole that's already been built within the law. And when they bring Jesus, they're acknowledging that all life is a gift of God. I mean, that's what that first fruits concept is about. That's why you would offer the very first, the very best of what you have to God. Um, it, because God gives it all to you. And when you mm-hmm. put God first in that, it gives you the right perspective on what you've been given. I love Absolutely. this passage because of the, the there's two different things that's, that are going on, the two different rituals that the family is observing. They're observing both the presentation of Jesus in the temple and they're observing the purification of Mary, which is a rite that women went through after childbirth which we still observed, uh, we observed a successor right to that in the Episcopal Church, even as long as the 1928 prayer book. There is a ceremony in the prayer book called the Churching of Women, which was a ceremony that a woman would come to the church and go through after the birth of a child. I wasn't even an Episcopalian yet when I had my children, but certainly there is not much that's more profound in life than having life come through you. And I can really see the meaning um, and weight of being able to have a ceremony that acknowledges that. Mm-hmm. Well, and beyond that, through most of human history and around the world today, coming through childbirth is a very life-threatening thing. It's a time for profound gratefulness, both for the child that's been born and for your own life continue to live. I mean, let's face it, it hasn't been always the easiest of time for women and still isn't around the world. Well, that's very and, true. And so it's a time for returning to the temple and giving thanks. Um, it makes perfect sense for there to be two doves and not just one. So uh, what's the deal with this being Candlemas? In what way? Well, I'll tell you one way that it's the deal. This is the thing that I think is so cool. 
Candlemas is the end of our whole incarnation cycle. You know, we started at the very beginning with Advent where we're looking forward to the birth and we're hoping and we're waiting and we're praying and then we get to Christmas and we're celebrating because it's happened and then we get to Epiphany and the wise men come and we recognize that Christ is a light to the nations and now finally here we are and Jesus is presented in the temple and Simeon goes out saying, okay, my, my life is complete now, I've seen this child, and, and, there, and there we are. That for which we longed, waited for, and hoped has, has given an old man at the end of his life um, something to be grateful for, and has given all of us something to be extremely grateful for as well. Mm. And so a ritual um, often associated then with this feast is the blessing of a church's candles. Yeah, and that's where, like, to me, it doesn't, there's not a super clear tie-in other than, you know, the light, the the stars, you know, Christ is the light of the world, yeah. candles. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... There are bees involved, I don't you're know. Right. A friend of the show, well, he doesn't necessarily know about our show, but I'd imagine he's a friend of our show, uh, is uh, Father John Julian, who uh, is author of Stars in a Dark World, which is my usual resource to turn to when I don't understand things about a holy day. And he tells us a little bit more um, about what, where the candles come from. This is another example of the church kind of co-opting a pagan holiday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the... Uh, uh, the presentation used to be scheduled 40 days after the Epiphany, or February 14th. And this coincided with a Roman pagan fertility festival uh, that featured processions around with phallic objects. Um, um, isn't February 14th Valentine's Day? Uh, yes. <laughs> so, um, right. so I won't be the, back for that collect call. So. Yeah. <laughs> No collects to be said that day. Uh, no. <laughs> so um, the church was not super happy about this festival. And so uh, they tried denouncing it, and that didn't really work out. Uh, so instead, they launched, a, uh, uh, launched competing processions on this day where uh, you would process through the streets carrying candles which they used with the uh, the pre- and the pretext that this was under was a passage uh, from Zephaniah 112 which reads and it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles that's how candles came to be associated with this day uh, and then uh, it was moved back to take place 40 days after Christmas, as Nuria has already mentioned, uh, for February 2nd, even though it was no longer on this uh, pagan fertility holiday, the tradition stuck. Well, isn't that swell? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for another image. I'll have trouble getting out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Just another service you provide. <laughs> That's... It's what we do here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Candlemas may also be the origin of Groundhog Day. What way? Uh, there is a, uh, there's, uh, again, this is coming from John Julian. He notes that there is an English, rural English poem that links Candlemas to lore about the weather. Uh, reading, if Candlemas Day be fair and bright, winter will have another flight. But if it be dark with clouds and rain, winter is gone, nor will come again. And so Groundhog Day is also on February 2nd. 
And it may, in fact, come from this Candlemas tradition. The, the motivation of it was likely coming from anti-Catholic sentiment. So um, that, that's, that's not necessarily a bright thing, but it was taking that weather idea, but divorcing it from the religious holiday. Look at there, yeah. yet something else learned. So let's talk about the colic. What? <laughs> I know, I know. You guys crazy talk. <laughs> I don't want to poison the well here. I definitely want our, our esteemed guests to be able to talk, but I'll just start the conversation by saying, to me, this collect doesn't have a lot of meat to it. Really? Well, you- you know, you put it alongside the Song of Simeon, and it is a little bit of tough competition that it's on, that it comes <laughs> at the same is. time. Let's just face it; that you know, yeah. but uh, that doesn't mean that it's not meaningful. Man, if no, I do you already have a pure and clean heart, Holly? I mean, I'd like uh, to say I have one of those, but I still need to pray for it. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm not there yet, Holly. I'll, I'll just bow to your purity. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> No, it's not that I don't, I mean, obviously the, the intent of it is, um, is lofty. I just think that a lot of times when we're delving into collects, you know, there's some interesting turns of phrases or, or imagery that we, you know, wrestle with or try to, to break down. And, and this one is, I think, pretty straightforward. Yeah, it says what it, it says. is what it, it yeah, says what it says. It, it but, I mean, but I would say... This collect has a really interesting preposition. Go on. There's the phrase, So we may be presented to you with pure and clean hearts by Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so uh, this prayer is drawing a parallel uh, between Jesus and and Joseph and Mary. Uh, that as uh, as Joseph and Mary presented the infant Jesus to at the temple, so we are praying that Jesus will present us with pure and clean hearts to God the Father. Mm-hmm. So that's almost an upgrade. It's hard to get the upgrade from Mary and Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> In fact, I'm, I'm not sure there is one, but maybe they're boy. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. And in fact, if it's not Jesus who presents me, I don't stand a chance. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is off today, so you're being presented by... <laughs> Holly Powell. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. With a pure and clean heart. Yep. Makes sense. But, but this idea of Jesus presenting us to God uh, shows up in a few places in the New Testament. Uh, there are a couple of locations in Paul's letters, but also in the letter of Jude, which has my favorite way of phrasing this. Glory be to him who can keep you from falling and bring you safe to his glorious presence, innocent and happy. Mm. Innocent Aww. and happy. I love yes. that. Like a baby. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Almost like that day Jesus was in the temple. That's right. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Anyway, Holly, you're, you're right. There's not much particularly mysterious about this collect, but I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to give it a solid A. You know, it's not winning points for complexity, but it's direct and it's saying stuff we should be praying for. And I like the literary parallels. Yeah, I like it too. You know, one thing that I think is is really interesting is 
that this this college is old. It's from the Gregorian Sacramentary. And when it first showed up in uh, in Cranber's translation, he had it translated as that we would be presented with pure and clear minds. Mm-hmm. And somehow we've moved from minds to hearts in this episode, in this version. Well, and that only took a few years. It switched from minds to hearts uh, by the 1662 prayer book. Intriguing. Yeah, huh? it makes you wonder, did they decide hearts were more important, or did they lose hope for minds? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've certainly lost hope for minds. <laughs> is it really our intellect that we want to convert, or is it something more about our wills and our desires, which I think we connect more to heart? I think that takes us mm-hmm. to somewhere different. If we're presented with a pure and clean mind, that has something to do with how we think. But if it's a pure and clean heart, I think it gets more to something maybe deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Our faith so much can be in our heads. And a lot of times the move it needs to make is just a, a little bit lower to our hearts to where it really takes a, a deeper root. And uh, so thank you, Cranmer, for... <laughs> <laughs> for the original words, and thank you for 1662 Prayer Book for a little bit of uh, uh, pushing us deeper um, with uh, pure and clean hearts. Uh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe more difficult, but maybe the move we need to make. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. You think that? <laughs> or is that something in your heart? <laughs> I, I feel it. I feel it in my heart. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> I think that's also why on Twitter they changed the the favorite status from a star to a heart because you just feel it more when it's a heart. There you go. And your feels uh, are what I really want to affirm right now. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, are we ready for the Twitter challenge? Yes. Yes. Oh, Frankish. Man, Frank has never been more ready. <laughs> oh, I don't. I'm not, I don't have my own answer. I just want to see what you guys are going to do. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, so we uh, we allow our guests to either participate or not participate as you choose. So, if you would like to, uh, feel free. If you would not like to, you can just you can be our judge. I, I'm I'm participating by holding my breath and 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 standing by. I can participate by offering a uh, Twitter tweet that uh, I am not entirely happy with. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's well, like us that's almost every much. week. Do, do yeah, you think that, yeah, or totally. is that something you feel in your heart? <laughs> I feel in my heart it is unworthy of the collect. <laughs> All right. Well, give me one second to get ready to lay them down. This here. Yeah. Thank God for Brendan's editing. Yeah, but he just left my words in. Why did he do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to be nice to the editor. I can, I can do, I can do mean things. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I'm ready when you are. Okay. Uh, well, Nuria, as the guest, uh, you get to decide which position you would like to go in. Last, last, and after that, last. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess. Go for it, B. All right. When Jesus presents me to God, I'm hoping he just doesn't read the bullets verbatim. Hashtag PowerPoint, hashtag presentation. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, oh man. man. I want to use like a star transition on that one. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> okay, here's mine. Groundhog Day would have been a very different movie if every day Bill Murray went to the temple and sacrificed pigeons. <laughs> Hashtag Candlemas. <laughs> That's like, let's use the glass break sound effect on PowerPoint for that one. <laughs> I just don't know, you guys. I, I am definitely not worthy. I have a serious tweet. It's just not right. It's okay. Seri- serious is good. Make it happen. Bring I it. have... Um, light of the world, clear the darkness from my heart. Hashtag Condomas. I mean, see, yeah. that's perfect. It's Mic totally, drop. It's as straightforward <laughs> as the collects. <Yes. laughs> Very well played, Nuria. Very well played. Well, if you would like to send us your tweets about Candlemas or powerpoint or groundhog day <laughs> you can do that at the collect call or send us an email at the collect call at acts 8 movement.org you can find our parent organization the acts 8 movement at acts 8 that's the number 8 movement.org or on facebook and twitter at acts 8 movement and uh nuria and frank where can our listeners find you um, you'll find I... me uh, go ahead nuria Okay. Uh, okay. Wait. I have to think. I forgot where you could find me. Churchwork.com. Church <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> you can find Nuria online at churchwork.com. And you can find Frank online at the Loose Cannon, but I don't know whether it's dot com or dot org. Dot <laughs> Georgia. The Loose Cannon. Dot Georgia Episcopal. Dot org. And if you can type all that, you get the prize. Well, thanks so much uh, for joining us again. And a reminder to listeners that if you have not listened uh, to our previous episode uh, and you are listening to this before Ash Wednesday, you should probably check that out to see if you would like to uh, share the Ash Wednesday video to help, um, uh, to help build awareness. Oh, God, I hate awareness. Um, yeah, back up. Start that one again. Awareness. To help proclaim the gospel of resurrection. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. The, that, that's that's more fun editing wise. Um, I'm not I'm not re saying it. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> Our music is "Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence" by Aaron DeVries, distributed under a Creative Commons license. Find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com. And this is where I would normally say, join us next week where we'll be talking about blah, but I don't want Brendan to have to keep retracting the crap I say at the end of this episode, so I'm just going to say, join us next week for another exciting episode of The Collect Call, with a collect to be determined. Woo-hoo. How exciting. Thanks for having <laughs> us on. Woo-hoo. Thank you for being here. Two in a row. Thank you. Woo! Let our mortal flesh keep silence. And with fear and trembling stand Ponder nothing earthly minded For with blessing in his hand Christ our God to earth descended Our full homage to 